Welcome back to another episode of The Silent Battle. I hope everyone is having a wonderful week so far. I have another awesome segment for you all today. Again, I'm your host, Erica Honeycutt, and today I will be interviewing Ieko. Ieko is from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and she has lupus and interstitial lung disease. She also has been dealing with long-term side effects from COVID and has severe asthma. Today, she is going to share her raw and candid story about her journey with lupus and ILD and how she manages her symptoms. Also, she will give us some tips, if she has any, on what may help you all out there to live life more easily as we battle our autoimmune diseases. Let's get started. Welcome, Ieko. Thank you for being part of the Silent Battle podcast today. Thank you, Erica. I really appreciate you reaching out and bringing me on. Ieko, can you again tell our listeners the name of your autoimmune disease and share share your story with us regarding when this rare autoimmune disease showed up in your life? Uh, I got diagnosed with lupus about four or five years ago, about five years ago, and I've had asthma off and on. Mm-hmm. I was hit by a car when I was 10 and my left lung collapsed and they told me that in the future there might be issues, there probably would be. And I kind of ignored it, lived my life, you know, when you're young, you know, unfortunately I did smoke cigarettes when I was younger. I haven't smoked in over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and just lived my life, just going about, uh, last year, 2022, I got COVID really, really badly. Hmm. and lost my taste and smell and it was just really it really knocked me for a loop because I'm a filmmaker I'm a published writer I'm a journalist I do everything I was you know whole hustle culture I was going a thousand percent and all of a sudden I lost my uh, ability it was just like my energy just went away and I had work out you know all the time I would you know I had this and I found that instead of being able to do my two hours of working out a day plus working walking 10 plus miles because I do walk I don't drive I suddenly couldn't make it you know down the street without being completely out of breath wow I was tired all the time um I could not get enough rest even when I was sleeping my concentration was off so uh, my last film I did I was really really ill and I couldn't seem to come off of that either that was back in um, October mm-hmm in December, I went to visit my grandchildren with my uh, now husband, and he got sick and so did I. Uh, and then he got over it, and I didn't. But I kind of ignored it because I had things to do. Mm-hmm. And I woke up one day and I couldn't breathe. I literally could not catch my breath. It felt like, like even now during this, it's hard for me to breathe. Like I only get, as a rule, probably about two to three hours of consistent straight talking. Like if I take breaks, I can come back. Mm-hmm. But it always feels like I'm. Just trying to breathe around something or talk around something. Uh, so I ended up really sick. I went. To, I live in Cleveland, Ohio now. Uh-huh. I have for, this is my third year, and I went to their emergency rooms. I was basically told, since it's not COVID, it's not that big a deal. You know, quit drug shopping. I said, I don't want any drugs. That's not what I'm here for. I can't breathe. And they're like, we're well, false isn't that bad. And they gave me steroids. And I did four emergency room visits in a week. Oh, wow. overnight stay and they still refused to do anything i had a nurse say they weren't worried about giving me another breathing treatment or oxygen because it wasn't covid and they didn't care now as a black queer woman that was really difficult i do have my uh, two partners who are caucasian and who have been really supportive and come in as an ally and an advocate when i've been in these situations mm-hmm. So my husband's uh, mom is a nurse she suggested coming to the hospital that she worked at and that's in uh 
Avon, Ohio, and I actually started getting proper treatment out there. They were like, your lungs were a mess. So I was sick really, really badly for about a month and a half, almost two months. Uh, I stayed at my uh, husband's mom's house, you know, and they took care of me. And then I have a pulmonologist. I am looking for a new one because I don't agree with him. Unfortunately, I've had to deal with, he didn't want, I am on biologics, uh, but it took us uh, arguing with him to get it. You know, he preferred people who had been on prednisone four or five times a year. And I've already, counting this month, been on it six times since January. Wow. Uh, so, so when, no, I was going to say, so when did, when were you diagnosed with lupus? I was diagnosed with lupus about five, six years ago mm-hmm. through a rheumatology office in Erie, Pennsylvania. And I love them because they're woman run. You know, there's one thing that society doesn't understand about, people always understand that you can have lupus, but it doesn't always show in your blood work. Mm-hmm. It's not just about your blood work, it's about your symptoms, it's about the way your organs are. And they were like, you have lupus, you have Sorgren syndrome, and you have right wow. And they were like, do you want to start meds? I said, no. I said, I'm already losing weight. I'm a vegan. Let me try to control the diet, which is what I've been doing. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. And then when and when exactly were you told that you had the ILD on top of it? I found that out a few months ago that I had ILD. And he was basing it on my lupus and surgeons, but then he did his own blood work. He's like, what's well, not showing? I said, there's paperwork here showing everything that I have it. And, you know, try explaining it. He's like, well, I don't care. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, what about my collapsed lungs at the bottom? What about these weird things that are in my lungs? He's like, I'm just not going to deal with it. I said, do you do realize that ILD is also not just based on immune disorders? There are over 200 different versions of ILD, and some of them are unspecified. And he said, yes. And then we because we had a list of things like, hey, we're going through this. My primary doctor really wanted me to be, you know, to get some medicine for this to start mm-hmm. doing this. And my husband and I were sitting there, we're like, you know, he's like, well, you don't have IOD. And we said, well, what are all the symptoms that he told us? And then we were like, these are all my symptoms. I said, are they not the same? He's like, yes. I said, then why are you, why are you saying that? He's like, I just don't care. He's like, we'll see what happens. So I went back to my primary, and now I'm looking for a new pulmonologist for a second opinion because my lungs aren't getting better. As right. you can hear, I'm starting to lose my ability to speak. I feel like I'm breathing around something. Uh, there are days where I lose my breath just going to the bathroom. Well, the longer that you wait, the more the disease progresses. Right. And it's progressing worse. We have, we're under the, we think that he just wants to see it progress long before he's willing to do anything. And I think that as a black woman, that is very dangerous. That they yes. don't always take us seriously. That they are not always willing to, you know, because we're supposed to be able to handle things more. And I just really felt not seen. Uh, I'm up to two to three breathing treatments a day now. I take Trilogy. Um, I'm using my rescue inhaler like three to four times a day again. Are you on oxygen? Uh, no, he refuses to give me oxygen. Uh, the nurse wanted to put me on oxygen as a backup, you know, and do the walk test if he refused. Wow. How low, and, do you know how low your oxygen is dropping when you walk? Uh, it's dropping down to about 88 when I walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, some days it's dropping to 83, but then it goes back. It stays pretty steady at 96, uh-huh. but it will do some low dropping. Um, also, my primary, who's a wonderful black woman doctor, is concerned because even if your O2 shows on your pulse ox is doing well, that doesn't mean 
that all the oxygenated blood is going where it needs to be. Right. Um, we've been noticing that uh, there's been some slight clubbing to my fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I am I'm a little paler than I should be. <laughs> yeah. And that there are just days where, I, I, for me, having being someone who used to walk 10 miles a day and not even blink, and work out two hours, I can only do the two to who, about two to five. And if I do five, I'm probably not doing anything else for the rest of the day. Hmm. Wow. So it's been really challenging. Yeah. And just the fact that your doctor, your pulmonologist is not seeing this, or, I mean, either they're seeing, she, he or she is seeing this, and it just, from what you're telling me, they're not, he or she is not doing anything about this, which is really scary. Uh, it is really scary. It's uh, it's really frustrating because I, you know, the nurse is hearing it, they're seeing it, and he's just refusing. So I am actively looking for another pulmonologist. Um, there have been some other uh, things that have been popping up that have been worrisome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been last time I, I was in my emergency room last Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost blacked out from lack of oxygen. I couldn't breathe. Oh wow. It was like spot, you know how it starts to go back around your eyes. Yeah. And um, that's been happening more often. I've been having to really work to catch my breath. Sorry, yeah. I guess that even to have this long conversation, no. it's hard for me to breathe. No, I, like, can, I, only get, I understand. I can only go a certain point, and then you can start hearing my breathing change. And it's getting really frustrating. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're actively looking for another pulmonologist because you, as, as, as I say, and a lot of people, you know, that have been on uh, the podcast, you know, you're, they, we all say you're, we're, on, we're our own advocates. And, you know, if you know that something's not right and you're not getting what you need properly, you have to continue to fight for yourself. And I'm glad that you... Are, st- are doing so and, and, and not just accepting what your pulmonologist is, is, uh, is telling you because obviously there's, there's something wrong and you need more answers than what you're getting, it sounds like. Oh, absolutely. Um, my primary doctor has been fantastic. She's really concerned. Mm-hmm. Anytime we see any of there's like, this, there's something wrong. Yeah. yeah. But it's, you really do have to be your own advocate. Mm-hmm. You really have to fight for yourself and realize that, um, unfortunately, it's a hidden disease. Yeah. You know? So if you look good, and it's where I, I'm sure a lot of people with lung disease have had this where at the beginning you go in and you're like, you're having all these problems, you go in and they do something at the doctor's office and your pulse ox is 100. And you're like, I swear about that's not how that happened earlier. Yeah. Because we've all, you know, we've all been there. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, and the thing about it is with autoimmune diseases, uh, a lot of times you can look perfectly normal on the outside, but then on the inside you could be, gosh, you could be fighting for your life, and I say that so many times, which is why I actually created the, the Silent Battle podcast, because I felt like people that are dealing with autoimmune diseases need a platform that they can go to and listen to other people that are dealing with the same issues because it's like if you're not living it it's hard for you to understand it you know what i mean yes absolutely um, um it's been go really ahead. Frustrating. go ahead no you go ahead go, go ahead i'm sorry 
Um, as a filmmaker, as someone who's an artist, it's been really frustrating because I've had to step away from a lot of things. Because mm-hmm. I just don't have the spoons anymore. Right. Um, I was, uh, for women in film television in Ohio, I was a director of special events. I've now had to, I'm still on the board, but I've had to step down because mm-hmm. I just don't have the spoons. Um, a lot of things I do for films now is just working from home mm-hmm. and connecting them to other people, which is why I'm looking to be doing more as publicity as a publicist. I'm also a writer, so like being a journalist, I don't have to, like I can plan my interviews and plan things around in mm-hmm. school. So it's really, you know, and people will see me, like I'll post on Instagram or Facebook, you know, or TikTok, and I'm like, oh, you look great. And I'm like, I appreciate that. But you're not catching how it was hard to get out of bed, how I have to have my teas, my smoothies, my pills. My, like everything is set a certain way. Right. So I can even survive to get through the day. Yeah. And it, there are days where I don't even leave the bed. Yeah. I work from bed or I'm just watching movies and I sleep. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I didn't want to work that day. Um, it's because I just can't freaking breathe. Right. You know? No, I, I completely understand. And, you know, I know that you've, you've, you've told me a lot of what you're facing physically, um, you know, the challenges that you're facing physically. But what about mentally? Um, how are you feeling mentally about all of this? Um, I'd honestly say that mentally I'm really having some definite, it's a definite, um, Definitely a grieving process. Mm-hmm. Um, I had lost a lot of weight. I got divorced from a very domestic uh, violence situation, mm-hmm. and I lost weight. You know, I lost over hundred pounds. I was before COVID hit the pandemic. I was getting ready to train for show mm-hmm. in the weightlifting. Um, I worked as a gallery director, so like I did everything. I'm that person that never stopped. Right. I got three to four hours of sleep kept it moving, you know, worked really hard and getting this, when you're especially in the hustle culture, when, you know, as a black woman, we always go a thousand percent and not being able to do that was really difficult. It was embarrassing. It made me feel like people were judging me and it really, now I'm at the point where I'm just like, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not walking on my shoes, but people will look at you and you still get that, you know, I just was with my grandchildren and with my sons and my husband out of state, excuse me, and people are like, oh, you look great, you know, when are you getting back to work? And they have no idea that that literally wore me out. Yeah. Um, it was, I had to decide, you know, I have to decide what things I can go to because I don't want to catch COVID again. Right. Um, being on a biologic, uh, my immune system is extremely low. Mm-hmm. Uh, being on prednisone has lowered my immune system. Uh, being on a biologic has caused me to get my eczema to act up again, which is hard for your mental health because you know, you're like your skin to be soft and smooth and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a lot of crying, a lot of anger. Well, you know? you're grieving the life that you had before all of this happened. Oh, absolutely, and. I have found in this, um, I am spiritual, that I've had to not just grieve, but find a way to still do it right. in a way that works for me, not works for everybody else, and to remember that it doesn't matter what it looks like to anybody else as long as I'm doing what's for me. And there are times where I've stepped away from things and said, I'm sorry, I just can't do this. Absolutely. And I did not feel bad. I used to, 
Um, I am, I was a therapist, I'm looking for a new therapist mm-hmm. uh, to focus more on the breathing. Mm-hmm. It's also scary because you're not sure, like, when you're not sure what's completely going on with your lungs, and you feel like this, there are days where there's some panic. You know, yes. am I going to be able to breathe? You know, what if it's worse than just the ILD? What if it's something worse? Which ILD and asthma, you know, all those are bad things, you know, right. themselves. And then you're like, you know, am I going to need a lung transplant? Is this possibly cancer? You know, what's going on? And not mm-hmm. having the answers sends you on work. You really have to, like, really study yourself and have a good support system. Yes. Which I'm very fortunate to have. Yes. So it's been challenging. Yes, and, and that actually was going to bring me into my next question. How has your family adjusted to you having the lupus and the ILD? Uh, I can honestly say that um, I have a sound and polyamorous relationship. Uh, my husband and our partner have been like absolutely amazing, um, very supportive. They're always on me to rest because, as I said, it's so hard for me not to just go, 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 go remember it's time to rest and sit down so they've been very very supportive going to doctor's appointments with me uh, emergency room visits making sure i'm eating um, i also suffer from severe adhd so sometimes i forget to eat mm-hmm. and i also think with the lung disease i don't know if a lot of people go through it you're just not hungry yeah uh there's a lot of bloating with it so i just don't always feel hungry so my our partner preps these meals that have the protein and vegetable you know as vegans you know make sure everything's together green I think a lot of it, too, is, um, I know for me, um, when I would, before I had my lung transplant, I would get to the point where eating would even make me tired. I would get breathless yes. just eating, and so it just, that's why my, I had lost my appetite so much. And that's, I agree with that completely. Eating is exhausting for me. Mm-hmm. I don't really care to do it. I'd rather just have a smoothie and call it a day, which is what I've done a lot. I, uh a lot of things in my smoothie, a lot of protein, so that it lasts for most of the day. So I generally only eat maybe like one smoothie and then a small meal. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed it's getting to the point like my husband and I are now like if we do go to eat, we split a meal mm-hmm. because I can't eat the whole meal anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you think is most important for our listeners that are battling their autoimmune diseases to know? rest you have to rest mm-hmm. um because eventually um like i was telling my husband i now know when my body is angry like today mondays are usually my i extend my weekends mm-hmm. i don't usually do a lot of work on mondays school work or anything because i need to recover from my weekends of doing things i've noticed i think people need to really remember that your body's going to scream it's going to whisper first and it's going to tap you on your shoulder and then it's going to scream I I really think a blessing has come with us because now I can tell when it's getting ready to scream. Like I can feel that final warning, so I notice it now. Yes. So that's like really important. It's important to listen to your body, and if you find a doctor that's not listening, go find one that will. Yeah. And I know it's frustrating. Definitely, if you can't afford it, if you have the ability to get therapy, I I hate yelling go get therapy when our medical system is so trash. You know, but at least find somebody that you can talk to that can support you, mm-hmm. whether it be through Reddit. And so, any any support system. Yeah. Um, if you can't eat, drink protein shakes. Uh, make your make one meal that you can just that's things you like. Yeah. Uh, drink lots of water. 
just it's really hard i'm not gonna lie i don't have a magic bullet for this right i don't have a magic thing uh today's a good day for the most part mm-hmm. um like i said my diet's a big thing i am a vegan i take multiple supplements um i'm also studying oncology along with my media so i do a lot of like natural you know plant medicine and things like that so that's definitely helpful um i just rest a lot no matter how that looks like and unfortunately it's hard like i get you know you get invited to things and i can't all people get upset because i can't always say yes because i can't tell you how i'm going to feel that day but that's okay that's the yeah. thing that is it's completely okay to say no and i think that um as you said before pre- previously i mean that pro- that was hard for you in the beginning but you know you and you know your body and we fighting a disease like this you have to be able to say no sometimes and um you know so yeah i mean if it, it's it's nothing to be ashamed of or it doesn't look make you look bad it, it's you um taking care of you that's what it is absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. um there's, go ahead uh, i think there's a lot of fear for me i'm working through right now on my journey is the fear mm-hmm. you know art is my passion it's what i love it's what i do there is a fear of not being able to do it anymore or to the capacity that I'm used to, mm-hmm. which has already happened, but to even lose more is very frightening. Oh. Um, I honestly wish that I would be listened to to be put on oxygen, not because, you know, I know once you get on oxygen, you can end up never getting back off, but it's getting to the point where I'm getting scared. Yeah. Where I, I can't breathe, and I'm tired of not being able to breathe. I, I completely understand, and... I'm hoping and, you know, I'm praying that you will get the answers and the help that you need in order for you to feel better. Um, I mean, it's it's terrible not being able to breathe. And so, I, you know, I, I really am hoping and praying that you, that you do uh, find the, the pulmonologist that you need to, to at least get you to a comfortable state. You know what I mean? It really is, and I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, we have taken proactive measures. Um, I don't know if people know this. I know that it's not anywhere close to as good as regular oxygen, but a friend of mine was like, if you go to Walmart, there's oxygen. Uh, athletes use it, and it did help a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. And I noticed uh, when I did use it, I could actually feel it in my body, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it didn't last quick enough, and I, you know, I googled it, and I was, it was like, well, that's because in oxygen you get a certain amount delivered to you, mm-hmm. and these things aren't delivering that to you. That's not what they're made for. Right. So it explained why I felt like a little bit better. It only last maybe a minute or two. Yeah. Well, I mean, your and, your body relies on oxygen. I mean, that's how you how you sustain life, how you keep going. I mean, all of your organs need it. So if you're not getting enough. I mean, I, I can't imagine, I mean, I can't imagine how you're feeling, you know? Well, when you're not doing enough, like, especially as an artist, as a writer, it's like, you can tell, you're like, also your brain just doesn't want to work. Right, right. It's like, it's like slowed down to a stop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're grasping for words that you know, or for sentences, or for a story, and it's because you're not getting enough oxygen to your brain. Right. 
you know, and that can lead to a stroke. Like, so there's so many more. It's not just trying, trying to explain to people, like, oh, I have this disease or this one. Like, yeah, that's terrible. Like, no, you don't understand how it can lead to other remedies and other issues. Right. If you really don't want to have to deal with, you know. Yeah. They're life-changing. Yeah, because if you're, if you're oxygen-deprived, it can definitely cause brain damage and other organ damage. So, um, Absolutely. you know, most definitely, you. I'm hoping that you find, um, you know, the correct or find a, a, doc, a pulmonologist who's going to be able to, to help you and, and get you what you need. Um, do you have anything else you want to share or add to today's segment? Um, definitely hold yourself with compassion with this disease. Mm-hmm. It's very frustrating. There's going to be sometimes more bad days than good. Um, definitely, if you can, walk. That has been my lifesaver right now. Since I can't lift weights uh, due to a torn rotator cuff, walking, even if it's just down the street, even if it's only 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes a day, walk. Yeah. You can't. And some people can't because their breathing is that bad, and that's there's no shame in that. Right. Uh, get a good support system. Join groups about it. Do your research. Uh, definitely be your own advocate, and don't give up. And realize that there's a lot of us out here who are going through the same thing. Absolutely. Well, Eiko, again, I appreciate you so much for just coming on here today and allowing me to interview you. It's been such a pleasure just talking with you and, and connecting with you. Oh, it's been a pleasure on my side, too. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I know this interview, it, it's really going to help and educate a lot of listeners out there. And just remember, if you out there have any questions or comments, please email me at thesilentbattle2022 at gmail.com. And always remember, life is tough. But so are you. Everyone have a great rest of the day. Thank you again, Ego. Thank you again, Erica. I appreciate you and everything that you're doing. You're so welcome. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.